Hello, everyone. This is Metric, the UX podcast with Tim and Michael. left off last time i just think of it like a person sitting next to a fire with a big book and they're like let's let's uh go to that bookmark where we were if, and just if turn we to that page. if we ever get a substantial amount of subscribers and we can do it like well we should convene periodically in person to do like a fireside chat <laughs> that's, that's, i'm cool it would be well, more be like great. a dumpster fire chat yes. but, like, like, thinking uh, of ux it would definitely be a dumpster uh, fire chat. spun off from last episode is how does a UXer get experience, right? Um, if they right. don't have UX kind of experience, I think what you were just talking about is what do you want to do in your job, you know, and kind of maybe what's the role that you want to fill, and that's where I said like I used to want to be called a UX developer, but I kind of want now to be a UX product manager. <laughs> Interesting. So, yeah, I I've been thinking like well, as you know, I. I like this definitional game. I, I understand that it's nitpicking over like how, how one defines user experience and how one defines service design. I get it. Uh, I still think it's fun and I think it's useful. I just like the vocabulary part. I've been struggling with, for myself, conceptualizing product design and product management versus like service design and a what and what a like what is a corresponding pm role for the service design spinoff and yeah and so this just gets into like silly titles i hate the d word which you just said four times design i, I design. just hate, i just hate the d word really. yeah why um, well because i think it a where i'm at is kind of the north East, which is kind of the greater Pittsburgh area, right? We're, we're kind of close to D.C., the Beltway, Columbus, Cleveland, you know, Maryland. And you guys had a great name for it, like the Rust Belt. Yeah, yeah. And so basically, um, the perception of UX here is design-based. Um, most of the job descriptions, when you look for a user experience person or a professional they are, in fact, a, you know, the description of a UI designer with some Same. UX kind of sprinkled on top, right? It's like, oh, we'd like to have some user research too, but we don't, don't expect to do that on the daily or, you know, for that to be the meat and potatoes of the job. So I, for years, thought like UX developer, you know, I have a prototyping something, putting it in front of a user, getting testing and having that research. That's actually building a product and bringing it to market in my mind. Design to me just seems kind of like, what's the style guide we're going to wrap around it or what's the coat of paint or font we're using you know i don't disagree i i think it's along the same lines where i i think the phrase design thinking is getting a little tired yeah it's bordering on meaningless i suppose i don't disagree down here in south florida the landscape is the same we have boot camps that are graduating ux slash ui designers that's how they're coached to build themselves on linkedin uh, I've been privileged to go to those like portfolio nights and 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 help like coach them, but it's one of those things where hey, uh, it's really quite of a spectrum between the user experience research and then the user interface design and and like the aesthetic look and feel. Definitely leaning more toward the latter, right? Yeah. So I guess what my thought is there is like me kind of thinking like I could write my own job description, right? And 
And it's like, yeah, I can do some multimedia design and I can do some content strategy and information architecture. And I can have 15 years of web design and kind of front end dev experience. And I find it much more now to where for years I would just like, when there's this kind of every seminar I went to and every kind of certification class I went to, it was just like, there's a UX designer and there's a user, UX researcher and never do the two meet. And I'm like, there's actually a UX developer here that you're not seeing at all because I've worked in companies to where the UX designer is basically a UI designer and they don't understand code. And I'm like, how do you design and not know what CSS is or the effect of what you're designing? And Cap Watkins has this great quote, which is basically like, um, all designers should be able to write CSS. And if you disagree, you're wrong. And I can tell you why if you have power. <laughs> but basically, and I agree with that too. Um, because, you know, unless you're a graphic designer that's never going to touch code, I mean, what's... I mean, you're in a print world, right? Yeah. And so, or making logo designs or something of that nature. What you're describing is like, okay, so, and how this I think ties in is like, okay, if you could write your job description, right? And you could do anything that you wanted to do, how do you determine what that is, right? I'm pretty sick at this point of doing web design. I'm pretty sick sure. of CSS and I'm, I have no desire to do design anymore. I mean, I can focus on pixel perfect nudging and colors and uh, style tiles and like fonts and how are we going to make this all look and pretty. And I just, I just don't care anymore. My focus is much more on the content strategy, meeting the requirements, and does and can the user use this interface and how do we find that out? You know, as opposed to how pretty is it. I think you're very much like a unicorn, like I am, I would say. And it's just like, but there are definitely certain things in there that that's, I guess, under the umbrella of the unicorn of skills that I just don't have any interest in doing. No, I'm with you. One of the reasons I jumped on the service design bandwagon, when let's say like in practice on the surface, the differences between, you know, service design and user experience design are semantic, but one of the things that I, I think the the semantic difference is valuable for is conceptualizing scope. Like you, I'm I recognize right now that my marketable skill, my 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 more how about this, my easier to market skill. I'm a developer. I personally like I increasingly lack or lose interest in in what i would think would we, we might call like the implementation layer of like a strategy mm -hmm. like i am not so much interested anymore in doing or implementing the feature whether that's you know designing it or right or building it with the code or seeing it to fruition if it's not a code-based service but i'm i i prefer to be i guess at that more abstracted level higher like uh, like i like to like you said determine what is the right direction to go in how can we prove that how can we prove or demonstrate that what we are doing now works how can we prove that it doesn't um and so that kind of like macroscopic analysis is what really appeals to me and so again so definitionally i i find i gravitate more toward service designer because what i am for lack of a better word interested in designing is this larger holistic service regardless of the channel it appears on whether it's a web thing or not i don't care yeah i definitely there's a great article that's on that was that i read here recently on ux pen that is product manager and ux designer what's the difference right and i increasingly over this is i'm kind of like 
on my fourth software team as a UX person, right? Mm-hmm. One team was building a content management system and a learning management system. Another one was uh, kind of a library with third-party apps and integrations and building our own custom apps, which were some source. And one was e-commerce. And then now it's um, different type of um, single page progressive like web applications or things of that nature um, for various kind of healthcare or government or whatever. I guess what I've come to notice over the last working on these specific software teams as a UXer, I sometimes catch myself saying like, what is this BA doing? This business analyst is writing all of these ethics wrong or they're looking at a business process or system, but they're not leaving out the human side, right? Or as a product manager, so a lot of times there's a product manager and a product owner and like one is kind of focused specifically on interfacing more with the devs and like what's in the sprint and like what's, what are we prioritizing feature-wise where the other one's more interfacing with the stakeholder or client, right? I sometimes find myself like, what is... I could, I'm literally doing the product manager's job and my job, you Mm -hmm. know, I'm, I'm kind of ingesting the requirements and then like, how would this live in a UI and how can we test this? And then, oh, testing it to see with actual users and like, oh, wait, we need to completely change this because our perception of this and the epic that tied to it is different. And so like, I just see myself going away from what I used to consider myself as a UX developer with with research more into a UX product manager or UX business analyst. And so that's kind of where I want to grow right now. And I know people are probably different. Like the people listening to this podcast are probably like, maybe I want to learn more dev and code, right? Or someone else wants to focus a little bit more on more design where someone else is like, I wish we would do more research. Right. So I think like I'm trying to and I am in different ways is how fill out that gap, which I gotcha. don't have that knowledge that you're experienced with and recognizing that it, it's not always going to be the same. How do you get the training or knowledge or skill set to get in the field that you kind of want, you know? Um, and it sounds like you're wanting to maybe not UX product management or you get away from a UX developer or what do you? Yeah. What do you yeah. Think? Yeah. So um, this again, this is where we started getting into like, I don't know if we can call it theory. Um, I've been thinking a lot about what organizational structure for like systematic user experience practice I like best. Like let's, let's agree on the premise that, Hey, good user experience is good business. A goal should be that, Hey, we can embed these kind of a, like this kind of a user centric ethic throughout the company. Let's say that we get there where everybody generally agrees that, Hey, we're user first. Um, we really care about our feedback, not just because like we care about the people of our, like care about our users as people, but we understand to some level their holistic experience translates to the other success metrics that we care about. Given a a semi-idealistic world like that opens up, I think, new organizational challenges with you no longer require specific user experience people or specific user experience teams to, to champion and to prove and to demonstrate the value between UX and whatnot because that ethic is distributed among teams. What then is the next step? Yes, and this is where the group talks about this a lot. And sometimes they once you, so hypothetically, once user experience is disseminated amongst all of them, mm-hmm. the, 
the people that are on the various teams, is there a UXer anymore? Because right, right. So, so for instance, like, yeah, I, so I think Nielsen Norman Group has a great video. I'm sure it's an article too. So, so this, this came to your question is like, what kind of job am I trying to, what kind of career am I trying to design for myself? I want to be concerned with the, the strategy, utility, design, usefulness of the service that connects all the products. I don't, I'm not 100% what that looks like. The, What's the it kind called? Of, what would you, what do you think that's called? Like in a well, current glad, business, I'm not even sure what it's called. I, I'm, glad, I'm glad you asked um, because I've... A director? I, is that a director? A, a director of service design. That is the title that I'm pitching in this like little uh, Dropbox paper. For other reasons, I don't think I'm going to get there. But that is sort of what has become my dream job where my goal isn't to say hey does this product work and fulfill the need for what it or for, you know its reason for being my goal and my job would be to essentially identify the the evolving landscape of the jobs to be done mm -hmm. and determine through user research and systems of design how well we are currently and how well we can in the future solve those problems. So, so that's my like thinking. A, is this like a CXO, like a chief experience officer, or is it more like a UX director? I call I called it a director of service design because like I have another clearly clearly Tim I think too much about this. Um, but I I have another supposition that I think at a certain level it is no longer useful to the company to have like. Uh, a certain scene, I don't know, like a certain super high management level of user experience. So, so unless I, the company I, is sufficiently big. I did completely, well, you said it right there. Actually, what I was going to yeah. say is like, I completely disagree with you, but it's based on the size of the company. Right. So, so for a place that doesn't have or UX at the table, when you think about, it's kind of your marketing team, it's kind of your CX team or your customer survey team, people calling in and like complaining or intercepting through forms, but it's also web analytics and it's also UI design, but also like your traditional UX researchers, UX kind of designer team. There's, um, I've worked at companies to where they didn't have a giant companies that didn't have someone at that high level and it sucked. But I've also worked at companies to where there was someone at that high level who was chartered with like a CXO, you know, kind of um, a chief experience officer and everything was segmented and the process was followed. So like basically like there, a UI team was different than the UX team. The UX team was basically a research team. And they gotcha. would do some mock-ups, but they would always be low fidelity, no styled mock-ups. Now you do get into some places where like there is obviously your UXer who likes design and they're like maybe stepping on design's toes, or there's a UXer who likes to dev and they like try to build their prototypes in code and that steps on those toes. So it kind of sucks for those people who, when you have all of the, everything segmented out and compartmentalized, well, yeah. what about the people who want to do multiple skills or work on... Right. So that's a problem. But if you think of it as arranged around products, though, and having a CX um, person and that your product team has like at least some design, some dev, some research, some business knowledge, content strategy, like on the team, it doesn't matter who does it, but that those bases are covered and you have representation at the CEO level. That's fantastic. But it's like, for size, like you said, like it's, it's basically a matter of when scale. You're, it, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, there are companies of scale that have that serve 
or they fulfill multiple services. Like their jobs to be done. I mean, so you could see a whole bunch of like uh, these like directors of service bleh, positions. You have a bunch of services under which are even more products. And I think when you have one or more of those service layers, it makes a lot more sense to, again, consolidate some sort of like VP or CXO yeah. role above that. Yeah, um, smaller than that, being matrix is totally works. You know yeah. what I mean? So if I think of like Adobe, I'm just assuming this. I do not know this knowledge anyway whatsoever. <laughs> but if I think of like Adobe Creative Cloud, I'm assuming that each product, Photoshop, Illustrator, um, Audition, Premiere, has a PM and a PO, and they probably have a lead dev, and they probably have an architecture person, and they probably have um, a business analyst and everything. Yeah. And then above all of the Creative Cloud's product managers, there's a director of product management, probably, you know, and there's a director of development and a director of architecture and engineering. So, I mean, I think it's just, like you say, it kind of depends on your structure, like, how many products do you have and all the products related and how many services do you have and other services related and how many layers there are. I guess like in my heart of hearts, I imagine myself as just like a UX care bear. Yeah. Like I just, I just want to do good and put good in the world. Mm -hmm. I just want to help people that, that helps the world. Right. Of course, like finding UX nonprofit jobs is like completely impossible. Almost. Sure. There's like very few and little, literally. I think I, work in tandem a lot in my current job with product management. Um, so we partner very closely. We do a lot of the same jobs that kind of uh, overlaps each other. And then there's definite differences when it comes to like wireframes or, or making final kind of cut decisions based on business interests and deadlines and things. I would never be able to actually get product manager experience at my current job. Right. And so one of the things I briefly mentioned at the end of last time is like, hey, if you want UX experience or you want Divine design experience or developer experience one of the best ways to do that is teach yourself by volunteering and um, you can literally just look there's a GuideStar, which I think is the nonprofit search engine, you can look at nonprofits around you who would totally need help, right? They would need help with design or um, user experience research or marketing research or more product management or development. And so I've been kind of kind of talking about how do you get that? Like I've been kind of itching that scratch by doing that. Um, and that's actually, to me, it's been very fulfilling because it's kind of like, I can't do that in my nine to five, but I can kind of build my skill set, you know, kind of on my side doing volunteering. Do you, do you ever feel like you run on a bandwidth though? Because that's, a, that's it's kind of like two jobs or like a job and a half. I am like a very high functioning person. And I mean that in just like, I have 20 balls in the air all the time and that, and I enjoy that. Right. Yeah. But that works for me. And I think my schedule would drive most people crazy, I think. Someone, you know? there was this old, I uh, I can't even remember the name. There was a, back in the early, not the early days, years ago when I was like hunting around podcasts for UX podcasts or whatever, there was a, um, I don't know, a 12 episode long podcast that I stumbled across where I think it was a, an undergraduate in user experience or human computer interaction or something. And he was interviewing, I, I think we hate to call rock stars, but they're the rock stars, right? Of UX. And he was interviewing Luke Robluski, oh, yeah. um, who, who fascinates me. And uh, the UXer for Google. Yeah. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Well, and before that it was like polar, like, which, which mm -hmm. I love that little app. Um, and I think he was at Yahoo as well. The student was interviewing Luke Robluski and he's like, how do you, how, like, how do you get so good at, you know, all this stuff. How do you, how do you think about all of this stuff? Where do you get this experience? And he's like, you have to you do it for your job 
and then you have to do it for fun after your job. And then when you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't sleep, it was like, that's what you read for fun, right? And it was just, it was just this ethic that like to get great, you have to sort of like live and breathe and you have to hustle beyond the nine to five. I would agree. I, I would agree. I think so. I don't think you have to sleep upside down or drink blood or do anything like crazy like that. But I mean, I, I think it's one of these UX things. unicorn, UX vampire, more like. <laughs> exactly. I, I'm just jazzed about the field enough to where, you know, that I can juggle those kind of different balls and and they all just happen to be really related to my career. You know? I, nope, I, I, I totally... I totally think that's it. Like you, if you love the, you love the work, your job becomes your hobby. You know, that can be dangerous in terms of work-life balance that like, yeah. um, it's not sustainable forever. Like yeah. I'm, in, I'm almost 42 and I'm just like, I can't, I can't do this as much as I did in my thirties. You know what yeah. I mean? The, 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 I think the ultimate question is like, yo, if you, if you don't have the bandwidth, let's say you have the full family and you have all these other whatevers, how then do you pivot into a different role? With very limited I, bandwidth, I mean, my, I would say is that that's where you kind of need to know. Yeah. You need to be strategic. So you need to be strategic about your time and be honest with yourself and focus where you have to, right? And so if you're getting together with a group of people or and you're just like, how much time do I literally have a week? Don't bullshit yourself. You may right. figure out like, like, I have three hours a week I can spare. That is it. Well, then what is the thing that you want to focus on the most? Is getting a certification important for you? Is that like a doing online free courses or doing like MIT has a UX certification six weeks course oh, or like, yeah, or doing like a Nielsen Norman group five day course or something yeah. like that? Or is it like you want to start blogging about what it is your your experience is because maybe your your goal is to get your writing out there and do more speaking if your goal is to do more development then i would say there's tons of different places that you can that would want free developers and if you don't sure. want to be at free developers if you need money then you know upwork there's like tons of places where you can go that just get paid to do kind of the work yeah. so there's like almost no my answer to you i i guess in in regards to any person who would ask that is like be honest with yourself and be strategic about your time and make sure that pays off in some way that's going to benefit your portfolio your resume or you know or uh, something of that nature there there's an aspect to this that um like you know it implies a certain amount of privilege of of choice you're like being choosy about your employer as much as you as much as you can um and and consistently looking for like the right job like i they let me uh, like draft my own job description and I got to put user experience and, and, and make user experience part of that when before I didn't I was you know I was a developer I was able to kind of like um, get into a position where I get to have the kind of like hardcore strategic experience and, and like an envision making experience that I need while also doing this like developer role that my resume largely markets me as so that my next career like my next step wherever it is i now have something to stand on and i can pivot um so being able to like choose like if you're able to like find those companies and and, and be choosy when you're when you're on the job hunt um to find a, a place that allows for that sort of flexibility and encourages that kind of experimentation that goes a long way because you know 
you get to kill two birds with one stone. You don't have to do the side hustle to kind of build out this experience. I think that's actually like, I, I, I know we always get into this, but it's like, I think that's actually like a whole conversation into itself. Like, yeah. <laughs> like when you, like the interviewing process of like, what are the red flags of like, oh shit, this is definitely not going to be, I don't want to be a UXer at this place because of X, Y, and Z, right? We have to talk about this next week. This is a great topic. Yeah. And then the other thing is, is also the, not just knowing what you want to do or what the red flags are, not. And then if I could impart experience, you know, kind of knowledge to people of like, these are the red flags of the giant dumpster fire job that you do not want to get into because it is that bad. Um, and you don't know starting out, right? Starting out, you're just like, I just want any experience. And, but then like that opens, that's just, you just open the can of worms. The the worms are like, there's a lot of places that have horrible UX practices that have like, you're the one UXer in a team or, or it's like, it's not really UX, you're just doing UI or they want a UX UI developer all in one. And it's just like, it's just, just, there's no way and so yeah that's a talk unto itself like i don't know if that's just like red flags or if that's just like the questions to ask in an interview to kind of get the knowledge you want i don't know no i think i think yeah and in, sh- in shopping for that um that user experience job is is tricky when user experience is defined differently by every single job description that's out there as well. And like, you don't know what to look for and you, and you can't anticipate if you're coming out of one of these like, like boot camp like certification programs first without having prior experience, you don't know that, well, UX at job A is wildly different from UX at job B. And how do you know what kind of job you want? And again, I think that there's also like that skill set about having the wherewithal, it seems obvious, but having that wherewithal to remember that as you are interviewing and and they're cat like they're making value judgments about you, um, you are interviewing them for the right fit. Granted, this is all privilege, right? Like if you need the job or whatever, you tend to do what you got to do. Yeah, like in my in my last job position, I took a little bit of a pay cut to essentially to enter a much more a different field. Ideal, yeah. yeah. Like it, it was it was the cost of the pivot, um, but also you know it's. Um, it's it's returned many fold. I'm I'm in a much better headspace. I'm yeah, professionally that, fulfilled, right? Yeah. So, and the other thing that is is like a lot of people. I don't believe the whole American dream bullshit, which is like you can oh just find out what it is you love to do and just do that and find a way right. to make money on it. It's <laughs> just like it's like the whole hope floats thing. It's like you've just killed your dream like by doing that. I think what's important to think about is like you kill your dream because let's say I like uh, this is a quick metaphor, but Let's say, like, I like carving wood. It's the one thing I love to do. I do it all day long. It makes me happy. It brings me joy. Well, you know, you can sell that and make your and start doing it, and then it becomes a job, and then it becomes something that's right. It's a task that you have to do, and you don't enjoy it anymore. And then the thing that you loved, you turned into the thing you hate. Yeah. So, if you've not seen the movie Hope Floats, that's literally the whole. Part. I just gave you the Hope Floats right featuring there. <laughs> featuring Sandra Bullock and Harry Kotick Jr. Yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway. I've seen yeah. that movie so many times. I'm not sure why. Like it's it's one of those things that I've uh, like I'm well acquainted with these Sandra Bullock movies, you know. <laughs> well, so the thing that's the point in that movie that Sandra Bullock experiences, and that a lot of new kind of thirsty UXers who are trying to get jobs or try to get like that experience, uh, there is this thing where they have to be like, well, what can you stand to do? 
Yeah. No job is perfect. So what can you stand to do? And can you at least stand to do this while you build your skills? Or is it making, knowing that's a Precisely. stepping stone to go somewhere else, you know? And I don't think that's a lot of, like, you can interview and have, like, all these red flags and you'll never find a perfect job. But can you stand to do this to get into e-commerce? Can you stand to do this to get to uh, be a senior? You know what I mean? Stuff like that. No, you you imply this, uh, this um, vision that I, I think people need to embrace early in their career i you know i wish i had um this this notion that seems obvious but you don't really think about it when you're hunting for jobs is like when you're hunting for a job does this help you get to the job after that like this notion that we're long-term career bound to like a single like employer is no longer true especially in our industry um and so yeah like can you does this job fulfill your professional needs and your goals and your and your lively needs for the next two years does it help you take the next step not 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 the step up the ladder but does it help you take a step closer to what you want to be doing um yeah oh gosh there's so we should let's talk about that next time let's talk about this next time yeah you can follow us on Twitter at metricpodcast.com. Tim is at UXBear. I am at Scoyfield, if you can uh, suss out how that's spelled. Your support goes a long way in uh, helping us grow and reach new people. So if you get a second, please take an opportunity to leave a kind review. If your podcast podcatcher of choice has stars, star us. And more importantly, like point us toward a colleague, someone you work with, or maybe a friend who gets off on this kind of stuff. Um, we appreciate it. We appreciate you. We'll be back at you next Monday. <laughs> oh my God, that's so bad. <laughs> and I'm just going to end cut. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>